0: Hey, hey, I'm back. It's time for some more Queer Street. (laughs) dog's tail (laughs) wagging. When I said, hey, I wasn't talking to you. Just keep laying there. But hello, hello, hello. Happy Thursday. It's actually Wednesday now when I'm recording this, but you're not listening to it until Thursday. So happy Thursday. So this week we are on book number eight in the Fear Street series, and it is Halloween Party. And y'all... I love this one. I know I say that a lot probably, but this one really, it makes, it brings back so many like eighties, nineties, um, uh, like horror movie vibes and you'll know what I'm talking about. So here we go. First of all, it's called Halloween party. Again, well, not first of all, cause I said that already. So second of all, well, it's not second of all either. So again, it's called Halloween party and it was published September 1st, 1990, just in time, you know, to get it and read it for Halloween. I mean, what perfect timing, way to go, Mr. Stein. And it comes in a little shorter than we have it past at 147 pages, okay? So now the blurb on the back tells us quite a bit, but let's just read It, it says, the invitation arrived in a black bordered envelope. Inside the card showed a coffin with the inscription, reserved for you. It was perfectly fitting for an all-night Halloween party on Fear Street. But Terry and his girlfriend, Nikki, wondered why they had been invited. They barely knew Justine Cameron, the beautiful and mysterious transfer student who was throwing the party. (laughs) Of course, she's beautiful and mysterious and she's a transfer student. Anywho, sorry. The party was well underway when the lights went out. That's to be expected at a spooky Halloween party. But when the lights came back on, there was that boy on the floor with a knife in his back. Just a Halloween prank? Maybe or maybe not. For Terry and Nikki, the trick-or-treating has turned to terror. To their horror, they realize that someone at the costume party is dressed to kill. (laughs) Dressed to kill. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And the blurb on the front says, there's gonna be an uninvited guest at the Halloween party on Fear Street. Which, technically, It's an invited guest. I mean, maybe that's spoiler, like maybe they want you to think, but you know, spoiler alert. I mean, we'll get to it. It's an invited guest. I mean, you know, it's invite only, so it's not. It could, it would have been better. Like maybe it was like there's going to be an uninvited guest at the Halloween party, death, you know, or, you know, like the Grim Reaper, something like that. Anywho, I don't know. I didn't write it. But the cover for this is so great. It's a little bit different. It has this girl. She's got some short red hair. She's got this cape on and she's running through a graveyard. We can tell because there's a big old tombstone up front. And off in the distance, there's this big old rambly mansion and she's looking behind her like, oh, and there is this pumpkin and it's, it's like a pumpkin skeleton face and it's lit from within. And it looks like it's chasing her. That has nothing to do with the story, spoiler alert. There is no spooky skeleton pumpkin head in the book, but you know, that's okay because it makes for a good cover, okay? And also her cape is red in the book, but I'm not gonna get into that. Her dress is red here, anywho. It was Bill Schmidt and you know, I love me some Bill, so I'll forgive that, but it is very good. But the look on her face is very like, ah <gasps> oh, gasp. Not so much scared as if she's like, I don't know, like, what? Or like maybe somebody's grabbing her coat, her cape. Anywho. So we're going to get right into it. As we already mentioned, we've got Terry and Nikki and they are boyfriend and girlfriend. So sweet. You know, young love, young love and shady side. It's abundant. And it begins with them walking through the Fair Street Cemetery at night. It's spooky. They're hearing screams. We find out they're on their way to the party. Chapter two, it's flashback two weeks earlier. You, do you ever, um, when you say flashback, whenever I um, say flashback, um, my head, I immediately start singing um, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. You know that part where she goes, flashback. Whoa. See, I'm singing for you. Sorry. But anytime I say flashback, immediately. And so I will be singing that all night long. And when I'm done with this, I'll probably listen to it. Anywho, back to it. So flashback. Um, Terry is at his locker. You know, he gets an invitation. And, uh in it, you know, an envelope falls out. He's at his locker. It's an all night Halloween costume party. And it's at this Justine Cameron's and he's like, Hmm, I wonder. And it says there's going to be some special surprises. It's at the old Cameron mansion behind the Fair Street cemetery. And he's talking to his friend, classmate, acquaintance, Tricia McCormick. And she's, she's described as get this a short brunette with wiry hair with a weight problem. Homegirls, Chunky, I mean, come on now. She's chunky and she's got bad hair, but that's okay. You know, she probably had braces and glasses too, but we're not gonna judge poor Trisha. It was high school. It's a rough time for people. So we've got um, Terry and Chunky Tr- Trisha and she's been invited too, but they don't really know why because they don't really know this Justine chick, right? But they do know that she is, well, as everybody knows, that she is the most beautiful girl at Shadyside High. She's got blonde hair, green eyes, Actually, their jade green eyes is how it's described. I love a good, good adjective. And she's beautiful as a model, which is funny because in all of these books, we meet the most beautiful person in um, Shadyside High, and it's always somebody different. But anyway, apparently there's a lot of good looking people in Shadyside. So good for them, must be in the water. So anyway, here comes his friend, or his friend, his girlfriend, Nikki, and he calls her Funny Face, which is, is so cute. He calls her that all throughout the... Um, the book, and I'm not really sh- quite sure why. Probably something cute they got on. Anyway, she's got one, too, and they think it's strange, And but they agree to go, you know, come on, it's fun. So here they are. They're talking to um, Lisa Bloom, you know, recurring character. Remember, she's the gossip. I love me some Lisa. She was the editor of the school paper. She's the gossip. And the rumor, she says, is that um, only a few and only elite few have been invited to this, you know, beautiful mysterious strangers uh Halloween party, but it's at like her house that she's like a distant cousin from and the house is haunted because that last owners, her Justine's cousins from years ago, were killed in a tragic accident. So it's all like ooh. So of course it's you know everybody wants to go to this Halloween party, this haunted house, that this gorgeous chicks uh hosting. So well, that's my train of thought there. So Anywho, so we're going on. We got Ricky Shore. That name should sound familiar to you because, bum, 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 we are going back to another character from The Overnight. This is the second time we've referenced The Overnight. Remember, we had Della, and I believe, yes, you can hear my pages wrestling in my notebook. Della, yeah, um, Haunted, last book. You know, so Della was also in The Overnight. So here we have Ricky. He also got an invitation, and there's only nine people total. Trisha, Ricky, and Terry, obviously. And then some other people that, you know, are just tertiary characters that we don't really get into, but they deserve to be named. Say their name. It's Murphy, Carter, Angela, I don't know, Martiner? I don't know, Les Whittle, David, oh my God, my handwriting, Summers, (laughs) and Alex Beal. So, but they're like, they don't really all have that much in common. They don't all hang out. So they're like, what's going on, you know? So then- um uh, they notice they they run into these the it's all I there's a this there's a lot going on there's a lot of dialogue at the beginning if not dialogue really but there's like a lot at the beginning where they're like you know talking we meet these characters and they end up saying that you know like oh it's like jocks and wimps and so they decide to have like a prank off leading up to halloween so that's the thing and it's going to culminate at this party at um Justine's and the jocks just in case you're keeping track are Murphy, Angela, David, and Alex. And the wimps are Terry, Ricky, Les, and Trish. But Nikki, homegirl doesn't want anything to do with this. She does not want to be doing with this. So as the book goes on, we get some fun pranks. We've got a fake snake. we've got shaving cream and shoes, but then shit gets real when Terry opens his locker and pulls out his tennis racket. And there is a... <laughs> a chicken head tied to it. Now we have talked about the severe lack of um, respect for lockers at Shady Side High. I mean, people are constantly finding blood or notes or dead animals in their locker. And I just have to say, this is a PSA lock your damn lockers. Am I the, I mean, does nobody lock it? You can't fit a, 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 Dead chicken head through them little slats. A note, okay. Lock your damn lockers, people. She's in crackers. Anywho, moving on. Uh, so he's all freaked out. Terry and Nikki argue. She does not like the fact that he's doing this jocks and wimps thing, but she's not gonna choose sides. They all want her to choose sides. So, um, Terry is, you know, they leave. He goes to go to class. He comes across some, quote, bad dudes. I had to quote that because it's, you know, 1990. And they're harassing Justine. They want to be invited to this elite party. And she's like, um, no. And Terry tells him to get beat. And she's kind of flirty with him. And he brings up Nikki, his girlfriend. You know, he kind of eases in. He's like, oh, you know, my girlfriend, Nikki, she's also happy to come. Turns out we didn't know Nikki's death. So, huzzah, way to go, Mr. Stein. We have our first, um, Differently abled? Yeah, right? Because disabled isn't PC. Anywho, she's deaf. So I thought that was kind of cool. So she reads lips. That's gonna come in handy later. So um, but he says most people can't tell and and Justine's all like, oh, that's cool. So they go. And then, so he goes to meet um, Nikki at the end of the day and in Nikki's locker again, lock your damn locker, but this is a note. So maybe it went through the slat is a note that says you'll wish you were blind too. Now that's just in poor taste. That's, ju- I mean, yes, it's to incite fear, but that's just in poor taste. Come on now. Anywho, it's a good scary note though. Terry is Love it. And Nikki's all like, it's fine. Ignore it. We'll go to Pete's Pizza on the way home. You know, because everybody goes to Pete's Pizza. That's where you go when you live in Shadyside and you're a teenager. Everybody goes there. So they go there and they see Justine at a phone booth. Now, for all of you whippersnappers, a phone booth. This is 1990. We did not have cell phones. We did not have cell phones. You had a phone booth. It's basically what we call a payphone. You had to put, this is 1990, so it was probably a quarter, maybe even less. You put it in there and you dialed and you could only talk for a few minutes before you had to put in more money. And that's what you did. Oh, those were the days. I have not seen a payphone in years. Do they still make those? I mean, I guess why would you? Anyway, so Nikki sees Justine at the phone booth and she's all like, Oh, that's weird. And she tells Terry that it's creepy because she read Nikki's lips. Remember, told you it was going to come in handy. Um, And she said that Justine was saying, They'll pay, they'll all pay. (gasps) So her hackles are up against Justine, you know, and, you know, because why not? She's pretty. She's rich. She's like a model. She's new. She's a transfer. She's mysterious. Bitches is hiding a secret. So, you know, you just know, you know, what's there. You got a hater. You got to be suspicious. So now we're at Halloween night. The instructions say for everybody to park on fear street and then walk through the cemetery to make it creepier. So everybody does that. So Nikki, I only wrote this down because I have to go back to Bill Schmidt and the cover. She's dressed as an old fashioned carnival reveler. I don't really know what that is. And I forgot to look it up. I'm maybe like Some kind of like one of the I'm thinking like basically Vanna White for a carnival. Anywho, she wears a red cape. Now, you know, the cover has a white cape. I don't know, I'm sure it was done for creative license and and color purposes, but I'm just gonna say, it's a little inconsistent, but I'll let it slide because I love Bill and I love this book. Terry, just in case you're wondering, is dressed as a 50s greaser. For those of you youngsters, that's 1950s. Think the movie. Greece, literally. So, anywho, so the house is all spooky and run down and looked up. You know, apparently they're fixing it up, Justine and her uncle Philip that live there. But when they get inside, there have been no holds barred for this. Justine has pulled out all the stops, it's decorated wonderful. Justine's comes out dressed as a sexy Elvira. And everybody's still a little confused as to what this motley crew is is not the band, not the band Motley crew. They're not invited, but this Motley crew of people, for all of you youngsters, that's a band from the eighties. Um, go Google it. And so um, why this random group of people have been invited and why would she spend so much money on just like a small little party for nine people? But it was like, what else, fuck it, let's have some party. So they start, you know, they're eating, they're drinking, they're dancing, yada, yada, yada. They're listening to tapes on the sound system. This, you know, I love this book, but come to think of it, damn, it makes me feel old. Tapes. Hopefully they had it, it just rewound, they didn't have to get a pencil and stick it in there and rewind it themselves. Damn, that was a bitch, wasn't it? Anywho, so suddenly there's a loud boom and the room fills with smoke and everybody gasps, but it's just one of Justine's and she's like, remember I said there was going to be surprises and then the lights go out and when they come back on, there's a body on the floor with a knife in the back. Yep. That's me tapping on the book. That's what the back alluded to. Everyone shocked. Who is it? They're freaking out. Turns out it's less. And it was just a prank. Yuck, 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 yuck. Remember the prank war that's going on. So he's all excited. They still are arguing over who's who's going to win. You know, they everybody wants Nikki to join when I don't know. I mean, maybe she's not a joiner. Let go. Chill. Anywho. Alex and Terry, we find out used to be friends, but they've kind of fallen out. Don't really explain why, or maybe I don't care enough to remember. But um, Justine says that her uncle Philip is in the attic prepping more things. And suddenly there's a loud banging on the door and our good friend um, Ricky goes and then two motorcycles roar in. Now I'm going to pause here because I get it's a big old fashioned mansion. So I'm thinking, you know, fancy double doors, but damn, that's a wide door frame if not, because you got two motorcycles just coming in, which also begs the question of how big is your foyer? Foyer. I say foyer because it makes me feel bougie, but you know what? So they drive in two motorcycles y'all, not just one, two. So immediately everybody thinks this is some kind of special party thing. These bikers are all in leather. Hey, and they're wearing helmets, but come to find out, it's just Bobby and what's his name? This other douche canoe, Marty, the ones that were harassing Justine at school. They're crashing the party, basically. They're, you know, they're drinking. They're all like, hey, let's go. They kind of start a fight. And then... um, David, one of the other jocks, he gets on the bike and he rides it off, and then like he jumps off the bike and it crashes out in the front. And that causes the two drunk douches to just get pissed and leave. So everybody's all like, Justine, you got to call the cops. And she's like, No, no, it'll ruin the party. They were just threatening us. Let's just go have fun. Okay. So then Angela leans on the fireplace and a little panel opens up and there's a skeleton in there and it's another surprise. And so she's like, just seems like, now it's time for our next, our party game. We're going to have a treasure hunt throughout the house. You know, it's floors, you know, both floors, the basement and the attic, because it's a big old house. And so everybody's in a better mood now. They've forgotten the fact that, you know, there's a motorcycle there. And I'm thinking, like, it didn't say, but I'm somebody's going to have to clean that floor because you know those assholes left tire marks, which is probably what's on a good wood floor, inconsiderate bastards. But nobody mentions that because I guess that's not important. And I can see it's not important, but I thought about it. So, but anyway, so everybody's, you know, having a fun time. Nikki's not really in the mood, but she's going along with it. So everybody kind of splits up. (sighs) Clearly, you know, Scream has not been out. They don't know. They don't know not to split up. They should know. I mean, they should, but they all split up. Here, there, everywhere. And Justine, or uh, Nikki, finds herself in what she believes to be Justine's room because it's all pretty. It's a, you know, it's clearly looks like a teenage girl's room. But then the more she looks around, it's like it's not really having anything personal. There's no, like, photographs or uh, music, rock posters or stuff like that. And there's really nothing in the drawers because I guess, why not? I mean, just rummage through people's shit. I probably would too, you know. There's nothing in the drawer. There's nothing in the closet. And here I'm thinking to myself, um, Nikki, you got to be careful, girl, because you can't just be sneaking around everywhere snooping because, sweetheart, you're deaf. You're not going to hear somebody sneaking up on you. <sighs> anyway, so then she goes into the closet. There's, you know, there's not much in there, but she finds like another little hidden door. Well, she goes in here and it's filled with all these like fancy designer clothes and all this stuff. And she's like, what is she? what is Justine doing with all these clothes? She doesn't wear these to school, yada, yada, yada. And then she finds a picture of Justine and an older man in his 40s. Well, fuck, in his 40s, that was the older man. Well, if, you know, if if it wasn't just, that's that's just salt in that little tape deck wound that we had there. Now I feel ancient. But Justine and uh, a man in his 40s, and she's like, oh my gosh, is... Is she having like an affair with an older man? Oh, how scandalous. Okay. So then she's like, hmm. And then so she wanders into the bathroom because why not? You've already dug through her, you know, unmentionables and gone through all her shit. And there's some prescriptions in the bathroom medicine cabinet for someone named Enid Cameron. And so now Nikki's thoroughly confused. You know, is her real name Enid? Is she having an affair with this hot older guy? What the hell's going on? Cut away to Terry, he's on the hunt, he's looking for on um, the stuff. Why he's not with his girlfriend, his deaf girlfriend, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, I I don't know, cover more ground, it didn't say. But I thought that, you know, like why, I mean, you think that everybody would have gone off in like twos and threes, but no, not Terry and Nikki. They go off on ones and ones, 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 one-on-one, on one. one alone, I guess is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and so Terry, back to it, opens up a closet door and there is the body of someone in a silver prince costume hung and its neck's all at an angle and it's bloody well he freaks the fuck out he leaves runs into david and says you have to come see this somebody's dead they go in there ain't nobody in there there's no body so now they're really creeped out so um they go down they tell everybody come look there's nobody okay But then they're all like, well, okay. well, I guess it just must have been, you know, a prank or it must have just been a Fig Newton of his imagination and whatever. So they continue with their hunt because they're like, oh, maybe he's trying to play a prank Remember, because there's the prank wars. So then they go into Justine's bedroom and there on the bed is a body in the Silver Prince costume. But Alex comes out of the bathroom, turns out it was just a dummy and it was a prank. Womp, womp, womp. So Justine is coming around. They're all, she should get their attention. They're all walking around and she's at the top of the stairs when suddenly the railing gives way and she falls. And that's the cliffhanger at the end of the thing, which makes me think to the big cliffhanger, the one, well, the biggest fall over the stair cliffhanger um, for the series finale of Dynasty when um, both Crystal and Alexis and Dirk, I'm sorry, Dirk, Dex, Dexter, go, um, uh, Falling over the balcony, all three of them, and you don't know what happens until they come back for the movie much later on. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but yes, I did just work in an Alexis and Crystal Carrington. Hmm. Anyway, so was not talking to you. Oh, God. This AI. So, anywho, so she falls, but she lands on a sofa. Luckily, I mean, what are the odds? And she's shaken up. Everybody's like, oh, my goodness. But the banister was sawed. So immediately everybody thinks, oh, somebody's taking this prank too far, but she goes upstairs to relax. And then Nick, Terry and Nikki and Nikki pulls them aside. And she's like, she does not trust Justine. And she's like, I'm going to figure this bitch out. Something is not right up in here. Okay. And then the lights go out. Now, this was not part of the fun plans. So Justine says, this is fine. This is perfect time for our next fun game. We're gonna have everybody tell about the worst thing you've ever done. Ricky goes first, you know, he starts to bring up the overnight story about Fear Island. Yes, Ricky, but he's like, oh, there were people involved, I can't tell that. So then Angela goes, she stole her sister's boyfriend who turned out to be a dweeb, by the way, that's what you get Angela for being a hoe. Murphy talks about he cheated on his math test so he could stay eligible for sports. Remember, he's on the Jocks team. I'm not saying all Jocks are like that, but it happens. So Terry is getting distracted. He's getting bored. He noticed that Nikki's kind of missing. Okay. So he's out. Is anybody seen her? Well, Les is missing too. So he's like, well, I'm going to go to search for them. He finds Les dead in the closet. Now, you know, if I were Terry, my ass wouldn't be going any more damn closets. Every time I open one, there's a fucking body. Mm mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the where is the body anyway sorry it's all uh, it's several references wrapped into that one but so this time it's less and he is for reals dead he checks this time instead of gluing and he has a knife in his chest then david shows up again creepy i know we couldn't have had another character i think this might be a red herring you know because david's always around when there's a dead body i tell you it's a red herring spoiler alert It wasn't David. So, anyway, he says, David, you have to come see this. This time, I know somebody's dead. I actually saw him. But now, once again, the closet's empty. But this time, there's a puddle of blood on the floor and a trail leading to the window. When they go to the window, they see the body on like the lower roof outside. Now, here's where they do something a little funny they're like, we got to get the body back in. I would have been all like, bitch, we need to get the hell out of here. We need to go call the police. We need to do all this. But no, Terry decides to climb out the damn window and pull this dead body. And I get, it's kind of respectful. I mean, they feel bad. OK, OK, I get that. But come on. I mean, no offense, Les. I'm sorry, but you're already dead. I'll let somebody else get you off the roof. Anywho, plus you're tampering with evidence. He doesn't say he's wearing gloves or anything. Anyway, so. Terry's like, we've got to call the police first. Forget we, we got. Let's go get Philip. Uncle Philip will call him. So they go. Phone is dead, of course. They go outside to check. Yep, line's been cut. On the way back in, they notice that by the wrecked motorcycle in the front yard is Uncle Philip's costume jacket. He was a clown, by the way. And it's bloody, (gasps) bum, bum, bum. So back in, they tell everybody what's going on. And this is at that point in the movie, this is my favorite part where shit starts to pick up the pace fast and things are happening. Boom, 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 boom. I love it. So back in, they tell everybody. And so David's like, I'll go for help. I'll go back to the, um, almost a cafeteria. I'll go back through the cemetery, get a car and I'll go find help. And everybody else stay here. And Terry and Alex are going to go look for Nikki because she's missing. And and now we don't know where the fuck Uncle Philip is. But anywho, nobody really cares about him. It's all about Nikki and, you know, not being dead. So David is on his way and he he gets to his car and the tires are slashed. He thinks it was Bobby and Marty. And then who should roar up? But those two drunk fuckers and they want to fight him because they're drunk and they want to like take us back to the party. And as they go to fight, David, he slips and falls and knocks his head on a tombstone and he blacks out. Okay, we're back at the party now. Justine says that she's gonna help Terry look for Nikki. Alex needs to stay with everybody because she knows the house better. She can probably search faster. So Terry goes down into the basement where he finds uh, Nikki. Yeah. Like he finds her. She's unconscious. He rouses her. She says that someone knocks her out. She went back into that secret closet because bitch can't stay out of her other people's business. But in this sense, it was probably for the best because, you know, she finds something. What does she find? You're asking, you know, I'm going to tell you she found also in there upon her second snooping was and I, you know, I love me some Nikki because that's me, girl that's me. Let's snoop. Let's go through people's shit. We're going to find out what the hell's going on. So, cause I'm nosy. It's okay. I can admit it. And um, so she finds an old newspaper clipping of a couple that was killed in a fiery crash. Remember what they said about the original owners of the house a long time ago? Well, this was um, a couple called Edmund and Sissy Cameron. Their car was hit by a 16 year old driver who was drag racing his friends. Well, the driver was James Whittle, and the driver of the other car was John McCormick. Now I made specific instru- instructions care to mention, um, remember those tertiary characters names at the beginning. Um, these are the same last names of some of them. So Trisha McCormick, that was her dad, and Les Whittle, dead dude. This is his dad, James, okay? It goes on to name the other kids that were in the cars and Justine and... Um, And Terry realized that's all of their parents. At least one of their parents was involved. So there's the connection. And this was 30 years ago. And the only survivor who wasn't in the car they left behind was a one-year-old daughter named Enid. (gasps) Right? Yes. I love it. It's so crazy. So they go back upstairs to warn the others. They confront Justine, who's there with the other. They say, she really killed Les. We have the proof. Well, Justine basically just shrugs it off as another joke. She's like, oh my God, y'all are so in on it. You found out Les was in on it. Oh my gosh, can't get anything past y'all. And she kind of cuts them off, right? And so everyone kind of is believing it because so far every time there's been a quote unquote dead body, I'm doing finger quotes, it's not been anybody. So she says, "Y'all, it is time. Let's. There's one more game we're gonna do. I'm gonna take you in to. Let's go to the dining room. Here's where shit gets off the rails. So fasten your seatbelts, motherfuckers." So she takes them in there. They all sit down, and as they're sitting, they're go walking in. They notice that there's less at the head of the table, but that dude is dead. Like dead. What are you doing, cat? Okay. Anyway, I don't know what that she's doing. Um, he is dead. Well, before they can say what the fuck, they notice that Justine is running out of the room. She's locked the doors. They look. She's outside of the window, which is barred. And she is laughing. She got a flashlight. She's all crazy. Okay? So, she basically is talking to them through the window. So, I'm guessing if they're old windows, maybe they're not like double pane. Or it doesn't say if she has like a megaphone or whatever. Anywho that's not important. What's important is that she lays all her shit bare, y'all. She confesses that, yeah, basically everything that was in that newspaper clipping that Terry and um, Nikki found but didn't get a chance to read to everybody was true. Those were her parents that were hit and less she killed first because his father was the one that was driving the car that actually hit them. Everybody else was guilty because they got off scot-free because they were rich little white kids from Shadyside while her parents died. So she's gonna pay them back by burning them all alive. So here's what this psycho bitch does. And I have to admire her for this. She has piped in sounds of screams and car wrecks blaring. And she tells them that she has lit... Um, some rags on fire outside the dining room door and smoke is now coming in. So she's for real did it. So I mean, kudos to her because, you know, nobody plans like a crazy person. They can plan for decades because often they do. I mean, that's what happens. They go crazy and then they spend all of their free time thinking up a badass plans for revenge. And clearly Justine, Enid, it never really says, I'm guessing maybe Justine was her middle name, but anyway, clearly she has one, this level of crazy and I am all here for it. So she tells them they are going to pay. She's going to burn the house down. There is no escape. Everybody is panicking. It's all that stop, drop and roll. Get low, get low. They're all getting low to the floor so they can breathe because the room's filling up with smoke. When um, Nikki, who's going to save the day because, you know. She has I I, this is where I thought it was really cool. It doesn't really say this, but, you know, she is always looking around because I guess she has heightened other senses, you know, because she's deaf. So I thought this was cool. She notices that there is a little door up. It's a dumbwaiter. And so not only is she hyper, you know, like paying attention and nosy and feeling free to rummage through people's shit, but she's also small enough to fit in a dumbwaiter, which is awfully convenient at this point. So she gets in the dumbwaiter, tells Terry, you've got to, they don't want to let her go, but they lower her down. Luckily, she doesn't fall to her death. She gets out in the basement. She goes up to the door. The door is hot, hot. So she can't open it. So she knows there's a little window, but it's boarded up. She starts to pry the boards off. Somebody grabs her ankle. She immediately thinks it's that crazy bitch Justine but turns out it's not, it's uncle Philip. He's got his hands and his feet tied, which I don't know, how did he grab her ankle then? Maybe he shimmied over like a little snake, like that TikTok, I'm a snake, you know, I don't know. Maybe he did that, maybe he was making a TikTok about it. Um, So, sorry, that went off the rails a bit there. So um, she unties it, he helps pull the board out, they get out, they run around and they pull the grate off the window. And all the kids come out. They're all surviving. Oh, everything's fine. Philip confesses that, yeah, he kind of helps set all this up. But, 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 but it's okay because he never wanted to murder anybody. That was not the plan. He only wanted to help Justine scare her. He admits that Justine's father was his older brother and that he raised Justine as a promise to his brother to take care of her. Um, and, you know, he admits, yeah, after the loss of his brother and and his um, sister-in-law, he also probably had a grudge. So they just wanted to scare them, teach them a lesson, get that kind of revenge. But Justine, she went a little further. So she'd been planning all this shit out. OK, then out of nowhere, crazy ass Justine appears. She's all crazed. She's all like, I would have done this, too. I knew you were too weak to really help me carry out the plan. And she goes to run back into the into the burning house and. Um, but you know, which would have been a really great ending, but you know, we got our good people. And so we've got Alex and Terry, you know, they've been hovering over this between, are we friends? Are we enemies? Are we friends? Are we enemies? They bond together, they rush and they grab her and save her. An ambulance comes and takes her away. And it's all over then. And then one of the best quotes ever, and I'm actually going to read it to you because it's so good. At the end of this book says, it says, Buh, buh, buh. Oh, it says, hey, we made it. We made it all night. It's morning. Ricky cried. Isn't it how Hall- it, it, it isn't Halloween anymore? I don't know about that, said Nikki, holding on to Terry's arm as they began to walk away. It's always Halloween on Fair Street. <laughs> Bitch, you're right it is. <laughs> I loved it. So I adore this one because I love a good locked room mystery and This literally is a locked room mystery. I love like a good haunted house, Halloween, like scary party. This had so many things. And this was one of those, one of my favorite Fear Streets tend to be ones that aren't necessarily just Fear Street or YA or 90s, but like they're actually like real plot, you know, that like this could definitely be like an adult novel or a movie or something, but it was taken down into like YA territory. And I loved it. I gave it five stars. Goodreads, it gives it 3.76, which is as of right now in eight books, the highest. So clearly I am not alone in thinking that. Now we get a twofer for the fear. I'm going to file this one under crazy person and murder because, well, we had a crazy person and a murder. Okay. And We got a death, y'all. Sorry, Les, but thanks, Les, because now we have a death total of five. That puts us at over 50%, y'all. We're at book eight and we've got five. And I don't teach percentages in math. So if you give me one second, eight divided by five. Oh shit, no, I did it wrong. See, that's why I don't do it. Five divided by eight. That's sixty-three percent of our books have had a death. We're doing good. Now, granted, one of them had two deaths, but you know, whatever. And um, honorable death mention goes to Mr. And Mrs. Cameron who died in the pre you know, book as most people do. So I will note them. But as awesome as all that is, as awesome as five star crazy murders, a dead less, and finally getting above 50% for our, our murder rate is this is our queer. Y'all should already know who it is. Y'all we have got our first repeat queer. Ricky's back. Ricky, the dorky prankster is back. Come on, Ricky. Yes. So we've got a repeat queer. Now, I don't think that's a problem because way to go, Ricky. Way to go for finding your gay self in yet another scary situation in Beer Street. How awesome is that? So we got a repeat queer. I really love this one. This was a really good one. I could definitely see this being a movie. I would love, I mean, this is just fun. This is one that you could, you know, it's just such a great, Trope, such a great basis for a storyline. I loved it. So, anywho, next week is gonna be called, gonna be called, and of course it's gonna be called because that's the name of the book, is The Stepsister. Ooh, and that's a good one too. I'm starting to remember it. So this was one of my favorites thus far. And so this episode was a little long, but I got excited a couple times and went on a few tangents, which I am now, I guess, too. So, anywho, that's it. Hope you enjoyed it and be sure to come back next week for The Stepsister. Until then. Stay queer. Bye.